0: Is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest. The analogue TV podcast that's got a snooker table concealed in their floor. I wish. We all wish. Yeah. Isn't that the ultimate goal of any civilised human being, is to have a billiard room in their house?
1: I th- I think so. I mean, obviously there are plenty of people who are into snooker, but I'm certain that there are people for whom it's a status symbol. You know what I mean? It's like,
0: yeah, oh, yeah I've
1: got yeah. a room that is big enough. Just to put a fucking snooker table in. Because. Yeah. Because. Let's be
0: reasonable here.
1: I've grown up around snooker tables. They've been a part of my life the whole of my life.
0: Well, I mean, everyone loves a snooker yeah, table. I mean,
1: I'm sure we'll come back to my dad at some point in his podcast.
0: I'm sure we will.
1: But I'm familiar with and used to the size of a snooker table. The heft. But I know... That other people aren't. And. Well. When people see a, a real suka table in the flesh, they're always a little bit like, wow, fucking hell, that is bigger than I thought it was going to be.
0: It certainly is. You know?
1: I'm pretty certain that was like my reaction the first time I saw one.
0: yeah, uh, that's the appropriate reaction to seeing a suka table. Are they table.
1: four times the size of a pool table?
0: I'm not entirely Three sure. Or four times, I don't know.
1: They're definitely. Mu- much, multiple, much bigger. Multiple times. So it's like twelve foot long, isn't it? Twelve is it twelve by six?
0: Something in that region.
1: I've got a feeling that a pool table is six by three. Yeah.
0: It's for Willy Woofters, isn't it, Paul? Well... Compared with Snooker. We'll we'll get actually we'll get onto the, the hierarchy of the Q sports because that's an issue that comes up in the programme that we watched this Yes. Week. This England. Yes. This England was a Granada T V documentary series. Of programmes about life in England in 1978. Oof. There's there's a very notable one about the Wigan Casino right. and yeah. nor- Northern Soul music. Mm. But this this is not that. This is the one about snooker. It follows the fortunes of three jobbing snooker professionals. Mm-hmm. A- actually, what is a fairly interesting time in in the world of snooker because I mean they didn't know it. Quite yet. Yeah. But they stood on the cusp of it unimaginable growth.
1: Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's very difficult to place your head in the headspace that Snooker was in in 1978. It had made its first breakthrough. I think Pop Black started in 1972.
0: It started in 1969, in fact. Oh, right, okay. Which is the same year as the knockout era of the World Championship began.
1: But, I mean, the point remains that its first introduction to TV, which was absolutely critical in its success, Professional Snooker wouldn't have happened if Pop Black hadn't been successful. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, You know, it wouldn't have become a thing without television. And by 1978, it had grown a bit, but not an enormous
0: amount. That year's World Championship, which was the second to be held at the Crucible Theatre in Sheffield, Mm -hmm. had a prize pool of £24,000. Yeah. The winner of the tournament, Ray Reardon... (laughs) Listen to them, children of the night, what music they make. Who won his sixth and final world championship title, Mm -hmm. was uh, given £7,500. Compare that with Mark Selby, who has just won the 2021 snooker world championship and received half a million
1: pounds. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that that's the way that sport wages have gone. Yeah. I would say that £7,500, if he won nothing else for the entire year, would have made a decent living in 19 19- I'm sure. In yeah. 1978.
0: And of course, as all the other professionals were saying, you know, they aspired to, to that level because it opens all the doors. You can go and play wherever you want.
1: Yeah, and you you know you're you're going to get on TV. The snooker player in
0: 1978 was like a musician on the Chitlin' circuit. They were going around men's social clubs and British legions and holiday camps, doing demonstrations. Well,
1: exactly. Yeah, um, you know, my point being that it had more in common with darts in 1978. Yeah. Than it had with football. I've just tapped it into my currency converter, and seven and a half thousand pounds in 1978 is equivalent to thirty-eight thousand pounds now.
0: That's uh, pretty good.
1: So you know that's it's pretty good. And you've also got to bear in mind that things like housing costs are so much lower. You know the cost of well, yeah, yeah. Cost of living was different then to now. You know that's that's a it doesn't sound like much, but it's a decent wage of money in 19, in nineteen seventy eight yeah.
0: and of course Ray Reardon was by this point i believe he was the first pop black champion, yeah, so he was a name in the country, mm. his name opened all doors yeah to admittedly to men's social clubs a dank curtains that were just saturated with cigarette smoke oh
1: yeah i mean he got on tv
0: and yeah of course he got he, on TV, he became
1: yeah. a household name it helped that he looked like a dracula
0: he still yeah he does he does look like a dracula he still does and of course he is still a household yeah people still know ray reardon i mean the first flush of the world championship era of snooker as we now know it and the big three the big dogs were John Spencer, yeah, Ray Reardon, and Alex Higgins. Yeah,
1: the thing is that in this program, they stop off, don't they? Uh, yeah, is it is it the World Championship? They stop off at. A they ta- do... They stop off at a
0: time. Yeah, they. I think they briefly stop off at the World Championship. And this
1: yeah. is what I found infuriating about this fucking program was that it <laughs> flashed past the most interesting person in the entire history of snooker. The camera was on him for like three quarters of a second. I'm referring, of course, to Alex Hurricane Higgins. Yeah. And then it just carries on its dry, trundling, a whole conversation about how good billiards is. This sort of shit had to be swept out if snooker was going to become what it ended up becoming. Now, I find the young players today, which I find disappointing, they concentrated their time entirely on snooker.
0: They don't know anything about the beauty of the game of billiards which is a lovely game to play and most satisfying in fact joe davis said to me one day you know joyce i really
1: love to play billiards i have to play snooker for my living
0: but he said i love to play billiards it's a beautiful game now we meet a few players in this program the driest fucking thing i have
1: ever seen i think it's like the fucking atacama desert it's it's definitely combustible i fucking put it on and, and here's and like i say you know i'm interested in snooker i don't watch it very much and i don't keep up to speed with it but my dad has played snooker for fucking years and years and years he's still going you Know 85 years old, still playing snooker.
0: Well, that's before we even mentioned the snooker trophy,
1: yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And then there is, of course, the snooker trophy,
0: which is as it was, he it, got his name and his father, yeah. Name,
1: it's right? like the, 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 it's still time, yeah. For you. The social club, kind of snooker club, whatever it is, they were a member of. Uh, my granddad won it twice in about so... 1952 and about 1955. And yep. my dad won the same tournament in about 1983 and 1985 or something like that. Um, there's, there's still time yeah, for there you. There is a there I'm is a, well, there is a shield with both of their names on it, which is like it's yeah. on my mum my dad's living room wall. That is my inheritance. (laughs) That's it. My sister has been around, you know... One of the last coherent, cogent conversations that I had with my mum before she slid towards dementia, she was saying that, oh, yeah, your sister's been around earlier today putting stickers with her name on it on everything. (laughs) Like Bart Simpson in The Well. But, yeah, so the snooker... You know, it, it
0: it means something to me, and it's in me, even if I can't do it myself. David Taylor is the first snooker player that we meet in this program. His nickname is the Silver Fox.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's. I tell you what, I complain about my hair graying, and <laughs> I feel a bit guilty about that now because this poor motherfucker. Honestly, he must. He, because he, I, I, I looked up his date of birth I looked up how old he was expecting him to be like well you know he's going to be like 57 or something and nope nope <laughs> well was he 34 was it 35 in
0: 1978 so he may have been 34 yeah he was 34 at the time of the world championship yeah
1: so yeah 34 and white as a sheet I tell you he looks like Mike Walker the old uh, knowledge
0: <laughs> manager um, he was the 1968 amateur world champion. Yeah, he's a good but player. To found pro play mm. a slightly different kettle of fish, although he was a pro for nearly 30 years, 1968 to
1: 1990. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, because I mean, the thing is that in some way or another, what else are you going to do? You don't have to retire. Like, you know, professional footballers don't retire because they get to 35 years old and just think, right, okay, that's it, that's that's my retirement age as a professional footballer. It's the age at which they can no longer sustain a career, you know. And some of them have enough money in the bank to not drop down through the leagues or whatever. But some end up playing in non-league. In fact, a lot of them end up playing in non-league football or playing, you know, wherever they can get a game because they enjoy getting paid and they still love playing. The thing is, the snooker has no restriction. It has no 35-yard restriction, as long as you can bend over a table.
0: Well, yeah, this is very true. I mean, it comes up a number of times in this programme that the the sensation of that year's World Championship was Fred Davis, Mm. the younger brother of Joe Davis. Who had reached the semi-final at age 64. Yeah.
1: There's no reason why that should be surprising.
0: One thing I don't deal with is the fact that Joe Davis actually uh, collapsed whilst watching Fred Davis play his semi-final Oh, match right. And never recovered oh. and died a few months later. Oh, dear. So, you know, that, that wasn't dealt with. Although Joe Davis, again, is writ large throughout this yeah. documentary. He being the the great snooker player, the greatest snooker player of them all at the time. Yeah. He was virtually unbeatable, I think. Yeah,
1: I mean, when these games start out and these sports start out and they start to grow, it's very indiscriminate, you know? It's very yeah. difficult to find an even level of abilities. That takes time to get, you know...
0: Yeah, the, the story of snooker is basically that billiards had been perfected and Joe Davis, who was one of the top billiard players, mm. started dabbling in this army game the Posh knobs played in uh, in the Raj. Yeah. And obviously, with a little bit of extra practice, turned out that he could not be beaten, thus creating the exact same problem that was existing in billiards, yeah. but, in, but in snooker. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, there's far more to perfect in snooker because you've got more balls. I mean, you get a little bit of a history lesson with this programme. The first person that we meet in that regard is Joyce Gardner, the yes. six time former world women's billiards champion. Yeah. this is the billiard sequence a, a lot of people fondly remembering billiards to the detriment of Snooker yeah, lest we forget that Willie Smith, who is a friend of Joe Davis's, said that he as for a start, he doesn't believe in coaching, yeah, oh God, no, he does not, does he <laughs> can you learn how to be a great player? No, I was always dead against coaching and I still am in every game. You can tell them what to do at every sport but you can't put it there. If it isn't there, you can't put it there. But you still haven't told me what is the gift that makes a great player. Can you say it? The only thing I can say about that in every game to be a great player is a gift from almighty god
1: you know i i i'm pretty certain that he's wrong
0: about that but he, he was 93 at the time so you know near have i God to me yeah was willie smith willie smith considered snooker to be crude compared with billiards All right. and and joyce gardner mm thought that Snooker was it was a financial necessity nowadays, but it was a shame that there weren't more people still playing billiards, which is just such a great game. This
1: is the bit that I was like, you know, scrunching my nose up at. You're not a
0: fan of the billiards. Well
1: no, you know nobody's saying don't play it. (laughs) You know, are they trying to ban it? Because it's no this is the bottom line is that if there's a public demand for televised billiards then televised billiards it will be, and televised billiards will end up being yeah. the thing that makes Mark Selby a half millionaire. But, and the the thing is that, yeah, what, it's not, oh, it's not the pure version of it. Oh, Jesus, spare me. In the oh, modern professional sport,
0: pure. There's only three balls. Yeah, I
1: mean, look, I get it. I've, I've played billiards, but I think I've paid you a billiards.
0: You've played me at uh, pocket billiards, yeah, pos- no bar, bar billiards. billiards. Yeah, pocket billiards is something yeah, else. I played you at bar billiards.
1: I don't understand what the issue is. No one's stopping you from playing billiards unless they thought that was their intention. They're trying to outlaw it. The snooker people have taken over. It's probably yeah, a class well. thing. It's always a fucking class thing in this idiotic, stupid <laughs> country, isn't it? I, it's
0: yeah, just... it's a tribal
1: thing. Yeah, it's I like, think. oh god, it's, oh, are they, are they, is it like they're northerners and they're angry at the southerners taking over or southerners being angry at northerners taking over?
0: Speaking of tribal things, the next snooker player we meet has got an African tribal mask. On his wall, mm-hmm. not something that I would necessarily have imagined would be the decor choice of our repeat appearance, Claxon inductee. Is that time again, John Virgo. Yep. John Verger, John Verger lives in Manchester. In Manchester. He, he also, also failed, failed to come, to come through, through at Sheffield. Sheffield. Obviously the main thing is to be the world champion, you know. Oh you know. well, I didn't do until uh, Fred Davis who was 64 beat me this year, you know, which was a bit surprising. John Virgo, at this point, is 32 years old. Yep. He's been a pro for a couple of years, and he's still feeling bullish about his prospects, as is his uh, exceptionally good-taste wife, who they're, they're no longer together, sadly. Right, yes, yes. She remains utterly confident in his ability. No. He's the number one player, she says, and he'll win the World Championship eventually. I'm not quite sure what ranking she was looking at because according to Wikipedia, his highest world ranking ever was 10th. Yeah. Which was later on in that season. Uh, Another thing I didn't know about John Virgo is that his nickname was Mr. Perfection. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not quite sure how he managed to justify that, although... He did win the nineteen seventy nine UK championship, which is one of the three majors in Snooker. Yeah.
1: He had a decent career, but when the media came knocking and Big Break became an option, he fucked off. Which is fair, you know. I mean he didn't completely he carried on playing, I think.
0: But it was He yeah, he was he was a professional until nineteen ninety four. Yeah. So Big Break had already started by that point, but As you say, I think it was a a good decision on his part.
1: Yeah, and the thing is that he, because he's on the commentary team now, isn't
0: he? Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's John, where's the white ball going? Virgo.
1: So he's now a well-respected veteran commentator who's probably got the one gig that all snooker players would want when they retire. You know, you can't be the manager of a snooker team. Well, not professionally.
0: This is 1978, and he's already talking about, have I got the temperament? Am I going to be able to win the World Championship? Yeah, you know, yeah. What what he doesn't know about yet is that in three years, the World Championship is going to be won by somebody who isn't mentioned at all in this programme, Steve Davis. Yeah. And Steve Davis is going to make being a professional snooker player not a lot of fun for anyone who's not Steve Davis throughout the entire 1980s. So... What John Virgo did in um, doing more media work, I think, was an inspired decision. I'm sure he's he's probably easily matched his career snooker earnings, which is mm. two hundred and ninety three thousand four hundred and seventy two pounds. Yeah, in his um, accumulated fees from big break and snooker commentary.
1: I'm I'm just looking up how much John Virgo is worth. Did you know there's a website called Celeb Net Worth? It's fucking rubbish. Um, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure the accuracy of such a website is beyond any. No, they're very.
1: They're very coy on. uh, uh, He's very coy on how much he's actually worth. How much he's on at the Beeb. But I I should imagine he's on a reasonable amount of money.
0: I would have thought that if he commentates on all of the tournaments that are on the BBC during the year, that alone would probably be pretty d- a decent wedge to live on. Interview, In the,
1: yeah, I mean interview with him here from the fifth of October, twenty nineteen, uh, with This Is Money, which is part part of the Mail, wasn't it? So. Yeah. Uh it says a uh, former snooker champion, John Virgo, would put up taxes for higher earners if he was made Chancellor of the Exchequer.
0: Well, I mean... Good good for him. He's an old red, isn't he? He's from Salford. Yeah. Good um, good for him. Well, you don't know how people are going to turn. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, heads turn once the BBC money starts rolling in. Actually, the third player who's featured in this was also quite a notable BBC presence uh, and commentator, Jim Meadowcroft. Jim Meadowcroft lives in Bakeup in Lancashire, yet another pro who was knocked out of the championship. He started playing when he was 14. Well, I'm just coming up now to uh, to my sixth year as a pro, and uh, after the first couple of years,
1: I was in two minds whether or not to give it up. I've seen a time when I've had to borrow the petrol money to drive to and from an exhibition. And uh, on the odd couple of occasions, when the wife's allowed
0: it, I've even taken the mortgage money. By chalk. <laughs> by chalk, yeah.
1: Well, that's mean it all adds up, doesn't it? And by replacement the snooker cues for the ones you snap over your knee because you've lost again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That that is one of the biggest problems that snooker players face. Is yeah.
1: that constant churn of new cues required?
0: It's quite a downbeat. I mean, as well as being quite dry, it's also quite downbeat. The second half of this. Program. Yeah, it's not very optimistic, is it? David Taylor expected a land of milk and honey. I I, I think
1: that when you um, if you were going to make a program like that today about a little-known sport. Everybody would be right. We've got to make this look as cool as we possibly can, and it would be effective. You would effectively, even if it was being made kind of independently, and they're not always these days, are they? No. Uh, but even if it was made independently, it would end up being kind of somewhere between a hagiography and, and, and an advertisement. Yeah. You know. But there is not. There is to the credit of the people who make this. No apparent attempt to gloss it in any way whatsoever. Even I noticed right at the very start of it, when they're like playing the shots and the. the key, I was watching it and thinking, oh man, you wouldn't get away with that sort of queue in these days.
0: Well, no, I mean, it's one, one of the most fascinating parts of this film, I thought, is as a historical document. Particularly mm. as it's just been the World Championships. And i, I watched yeah. quite a lot of the World Championships this year. And in fact, after the World Championships finished, they had the Senior World Championships, which, you know, you've got to be 40-plus years old to enter. So, you know, Ronnie O'Sullivan could enter the Senior World Championships if he wanted. Even there, there was a discernible drop-off in quality. And the game that these lot are playing is... Like a completely different sport. Yeah. This year at the World Championship, they had more century breaks than they'd ever been before. At the seventy-eight World Snooker Championship, there were seven.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. People forget obviously that it was a rarity, and that the one seven break, and there seems to be a, one of those comes along every, you know, yeah, that's every true. few every few weeks nowadays. That one that Cliff thorburn did in was it 1980
0: uh i believe it was 1983 he he won the championship in 80
1: yeah
0: yeah all right yeah
1: that was the first one that had ever been recorded on
0: tv (laughs) well no it was the first one at the world championship in a world championship the first one recorded on tv i believe was by steve the nugget davis Oh, right. One of the commentators on that break was David Taylor. The point I'm trying to make
1: is that these were the first times that this was happening. You know, I can't put into words how that must feel in a new... Because, you know, in football, kind of, almost everything's been done before. And even the really impressive stuff, no one gives a shit about. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today, weirdly. Nobody actually really reflects upon just how incredible Germany beating Brazil 7-1 in Belo Horizonte in 2014 was. And then I thought to myself, and bear in mind that I support Tottenham Hotspur at this point, so this is a difficult thing to say. i tell you who never gets any fucking credit, and that's Arsenal for going a whole league season unbeaten in 2004. Yeah, well... (laughs) We're not even impressed by impressive things anymore.
0: Well, no. I mean, this is this is true. Uh, uh, as we're recording it, the the, the the Spanish Grand Prix yesterday, which was won by Lewis Hamilton, that was his ninety eighth Grand Prix win f- uh-huh. from his one hundredth pole position, and it's just you think. Ultimately, I think with all these sports, the the excellence actually just wears you down to the point that yeah. you just accept it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, I have no particular interest in trying to grab tickets for an end-of-season Premier League match or anything like that. No interest. If there's a non-league game on that I can get to, then I'll go to that because those people still make mistakes. Yeah. And this perfection is fucking boring.
0: I think by that token, we could probably make quite a lot of money... If we started playing each other at snooker and just sold the film rights. Do you want to see two people who can barely make contact with the object ball?
1: Yeah. Are you sick of people who pot every shot that they
0: take? Yeah. Well, come and have a look at these two idiots.
1: Look, if you give them enough money,
0: they'll do it naked. <laughs> well, I probably well, wouldn't even one need of, that much one money. Of them,
1: one of them will. Yeah.
0: So, ultimately, this England.
1: Yeah, I mean... It takes something to take something that I'm interested in and make it really boring. But, you know, we are where we are.
0: We, we are. These are the conditions that provoke. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a bit dry. I do tend to think that the, the documentary style of the 70s suits some subjects better than others. This was just... Yeah, It was it was... It was not not good.
0: The documentary landscape of the 1970s was a fascinating place. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And I think there's probably this England is worth exploring for any other titles you might find. But what we would say is beware, because even if you find an episode on a subject that you're interested in, it doesn't mean you're going to be interested.
1: You know, I give this two thumbs down. Oh, my God. Two thumbs down. Not not because it's badly made, No. but just because it's presented in such an uninteresting manner. I mean, I would not if I knew nothing about snooker. If it's 1978 and I'm watching that and I don't know anything about snooker, I would not come away from that thinking I really want to have a go at some snooker. Yeah,
0: I have to. I mean, also uh, you said it earlier. It wasn't difficult to get near these big-name snooker players at the time. I mean, snooker players are still fairly accessible. But no, they literally But the, the, choices the, that, the choices that they took to, to, to cover, David Taylor, John Virgo and Jim Meadowcroft, who had all fallen early at the World Championship. I mean, mm. you know, what about John Spencer and Alex Higgins and Ray Reardon? Yeah. They're all Alex, there.
1: I mean, you, yeah, don't tell me you're not going to get half an hour's decent footage out of following alex higgins around in
0: 1978 oh yeah that'll be something else
1: yeah oh that'll that'd be a week wouldn't it it would
0: mainly him being thrown out of bookies at shoulder height i think yeah <laughs> with a fag in his mouth <laughs> almost certainly. Uh, never spilling a drop of his brandy creamy creamy centers
1: well i subsequent to my mass master- download of old episodes at the top of the pops which i referred to uh, i had to free up some hard drive space and that kind of led me into looking around and actually on my external hard drive to see what what exactly was on there and actually it's very neatly ordered but i went through every single thing like going do i really want this how big is that file or that folder you know and one of the things that i came across while i was rummaging through it was uh, the professionals Okay. Um, but I downloaded the first series of The Professionals years ago. And and it was like when it first came out after they remastered it. And I have never got round to watching it. And I've seen a couple of them before and not properly fully paid attention to them. So I was like, right, okay, well, I've, I've, for once in my life, I'm actually going to sit down and I'm going to watch a TV drama show, which I never, ever, ever do. And I sat down and I watched it and it was fucking amazing. It was so funny and I don't know how much of it was intentional. (laughs) Uh, There are whole passages in which people just don't behave in the way that people behave. The dialogue is astonishing. Just whole scenes which they, they sound as though they were written by AI. Yeah. It's amazing. There's one bit where they're chasing this guy, and there's a kind of a bit of a gunfight, and they shoot out the t- he shoots out the tires of their car so that he can escape and they can't. Good move. So off he goes, and he runs, and he and he runs off, and he I can't remember if he gets into a car. Or he's just running. I think he gets into a car. Two minutes later, they jump into the car. No sign of burst tires. That you saw happening two minutes before. And they're in the car and they're off and chasing him. It's monumentally absurd. Uh, There's one bit where they're kind of threatening to force-inject somebody with heroin. (laughs) Um, It's, you know... And and so I am going to watch every single one of them and I hope that they're as bonkers as this one was. Because, I mean, I really... The Professionals was on when I was about eight or nine years old, and I used to watch it. We used to watch it on Friday nights. We, we, my, I think I've mentioned this before. My mum and dad used to go to the pub on Friday nights, and me and the two girls who lived next door to us were just left to look after ourselves. I mean, you know, I was she would have been tw- the older one would have been twelve, and two of us would have been like eight or nine or whatever and we always watched the professionals and we absolutely loved it but of course what i didn't realize was that when i was eight or nine years old i hadn't quite recognized that they're not talking in the way that people talk
0: yeah i i, I can see that in fact i've recently watched an episode and i've never seen one before of hawaii 50 hmm.
1: oh okay yeah, uh, this yeah. was
0: it wasn't on youtube a friend of mine had bought hawaii 50 on dvd <laughs> A box set right. of Hawaii Okay, yeah. And right. it suffers from exactly the same problem in terms yeah. of the dialogue. And, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that it's a problem, but it, it has the exact same malaise when it comes to just being absolutely fully blown insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's the Professionals isn't bad. It's beyond bad. But it's also beyond the point of being so bad it's good. Yeah. It crashes straight through that. Yeah. And into into something which almost feels like a parallel universe that you've got to learn to inhabit.
0: Oh, yeah, I think a lot of the best drama series from the 1970s all do that, don't they? I mean, I'm a big Quincy man.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know as well as I do that I have enormous issues with suspension of disbelief. Yes. And that's the biggest reason why I can't watch. You know, it got to a point where I could barely watch anything fictional at all. <laughs> and, um, but watching this is so unbelievable. It's so ridiculous. And it's really, really violent as well. <laughs> I mean, really violent, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I only have one creamy centre and that's it. Yeah. But it is, a, it is a good one and I commend it to the house. Was, the other thing is that, like I say, I did get it on um, when when they remastered it. They remastered it about ten, nine, 9 or 10 years ago, something like that. Uh, and so I ripped them from the DVDs of Blu-rays, and and, uh, it looks fucking amazing. If you've only ever watched it on, like, ITV4, then they were showing, like, the original kind of film footage that had been sitting rotting on a shelf somewhere for, like, 30 years. Yeah. It doesn't look good if you watch it on the TV. I, I recommend if you get the opportunity... I don't know if it's available to two... To stream on the ITV hub, it might be, or if it probably be on something like BritBox. <laughs> but if it is, wherever it is, insist on the remastered version. If they haven't got it, then just go to HMV or wherever. Is, is that still a thing? Can't remember. I
0: think so, probably. Yeah,
1: but you know, just go to a shop or order it off Amazon and and wallow in it. It looks fucking sensational and the other really weird thing about it which was a weird thing that I know because I've seen some of these episodes before is that they're all set in the home counties <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it might have been a costing or something I don't know but none of it was filmed really in London um, yeah. so mm. you know you'll get to, and it's not mentioned but it is perfectly obvious you know they're in a high street somewhere. That that is not London. Wherever that is, it's not London. It'll be like fucking. I presume they filmed it at Pinewood, so it'll be like High Wycombe, you know, or nice. Chesham, Lovely. or somewhere like that, you know. Yeah. So, but I do, I do very, very much recommend it. Yeah, very.
0: Good. Uh, I've got two creamy centres this week. One is the three-hour ITV schools programmes marathon. ...that we watched... ...good choice... ...which will be the basis for this week's subscriber special... ...so, yes. you know, for just a mere £5 a month... ...supporting this incredibly unwise project... Yeah, ...you, you get you, even more of this
1: bullshit... ...you
0: get even more of this bullshit... And stuff that wouldn't even be allowed to use for. for Yeah,
1: we are we are doing stuff which isn't which is kind of you know there is a there's a theme.
0: We're trampling all over the rules.
1: Yeah, there's there's, we're doing the stuff that we can't do on this one because we've got rules on this
0: one. There are rules. This is the formula libra of of podcasts. So you know ITV schools programs marathon that was uh, that was one of the things I watched. I wouldn't recommend watching it, if I'm honest with you. It's quite dry. But the other thing I watched was I found Frenzy on YouTube this week. Okay. The Hitchcock film that he made in All 1972. Right. Yep. It's, it was just there. Complete, in HD, looks fantastic. Frenzy, obviously, was a film made... It was the first film that Hitchcock had made back in London for some decades... And essentially, it's like a bit of a love letter to the Covent Garden area where he grew up as a fruit and veg boy. Um, Yeah. So it's a part of London that's not really there anymore. Plus, there's murders, there's boobs. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, uh, It's the first Hitchcock film to feature nudity. Right, like proper, like boobs, like areoli nudity. All right, all right, calm yourself. Fuck okay. <laughs> hell. <laughs> and as well as that, Bernard Cribbins. Right, <laughs> it does suffer in terms of the dialogue, which is a little bit stilted and bizarre. Yes, yes. Which is unusual because it was written by Anthony Schaefer, who yeah. r- uh, wrote the Wicker Man, amongst other things. Okay, if you want to hear a. of slightly alcoholic man calls somebody a bastard all the time. Uh, Who wouldn't? And there's Anna Massey, Barry Foster, all all the good stuff. Okay, fair enough. Well worth watching, and especially well worth watching, because it's on YouTube for free. Yeah. Until it gets taken down, which it almost certainly will do. Yeah, you'd expect, wouldn't you? That's a very creamy centre. It
1: is a very creamy centre.
0: A serial killer drama with... A cast of people who all went on to be reasonably famous yes yes dear right next week <laughs> yeah you've had you've been holding on to this for some time i've been so this holding is this reveal. is a
1: big reveal you're very excited with well this. yeah i'm very pleased with it next week we are on miss anglia 1980 you are kidding it's me. our first beauty contest Miss
0: Anglia. 1980. Jesus Christ on a fucking bike. I see why you're so happy with yourself.
1: Yep. Now. It's hosted by Fred Dynage. Uh. <laughs> so uh, there's something to look forward to. It's an hour long. Uh. It's in, it's in YouTube, on YouTube in three parts.
0: I'm okay with things being in parts on YouTube. Yeah. People shouldn't be so precious about these yeah, things. I
1: mean, as long as it auto-plays onto the next one. I yeah. I am you know I'm cool with it. What I don't like is and this happens every once in a while. Um it will just miss one out. <laughs> you yeah, know, that is quite annoying. It'll go oh you've you've auto play to part three after you've watched part one and then it will go to part two. I fucking hate that. Miss Anger But yeah, it's um this is uh, the East of England's beauty contest, nineteen eighty. <laughs> I can see uh Oh my God, help me! I can see. Uh, oh, she doesn't look very happy. We'll see how this uh, see how this uh, comes out next week. I suppose. I'm very, very, very pleased with myself. I just want to be absolutely clear about that. But this promises to be a spicy
0: time machine entry. We're going to be digging deep into gender roles, sexual politics, and farming. In the in the last forty one years, yeah,
1: and obviously agriculture. What else do they do in East Anglia?
0: Growing lavender. Yeah, that's something they do. Yeah, there you go. I love growing lavender in the East Anglia. Yeah,
1: but anyway, that'll be us this time next week. So uh, I as, as I said, wait. I can't, I can't, can't wait. I've been because I haven't watched it yet. I wasn't gonna say anything. I wasn't gonna watch it until I'd. Until I'd announced it to you so you know this is a this is a, interesting this is a first okay. this is a first for me as well anyway right we done yo yeah we done of course we fucking done right we'll be back again same time next week with some ladies in bikinis <laughs> yes so uh thanks very much for listening and bye bye.